Let me tell you of the days of high adventure. Kevin. And I'm John. And this is Six Degrees of Schwarzenegger, the podcast where we take a long, hard look back at some of our favorite action movies from the era of Arnold. Schwarzenegger is the icon of the genre, and we're taking a deep dive into some of these 80s and 90s cult action movies, and we're breaking them all the way down. John. Hey, brother. We have been on a journey from New York to the, <laughs> to the fifth deep dimension south. to <laughs> Chattanooga to Confederama to now the city of Atlanta. Our home turf. That's right. At least we are ending on familiar ground. And this for is, that, I'm grateful. I, I remember very few movies that ever have, especially from this era, that ever featured Atlanta. Yeah. It was well, not popular. Nah. At the, especially at the time. It's kind of a dark place. There's a movie that I need to watch called New Jack that had, I think, uh, Mick Jagger. Yeah. And somebody. It wasn't Burt Reynolds. I know Was what you're Christian talking Slater? about. No, I'm looking it up right now. You fill some time. Uh, do you want to try to catch us up on the plot while I look something up or I can try to? Yeah, do, well, uh, I mean, all that's happened New is Jack. that in the last episode, um, in the last couple of episodes, the good guys tried to save Pearl the cyborg who has the the key to the cure for the plague in this post-apocalyptic wasteland from these bad guys led by Fender. Um, Fender is responsible for the murder of Gibson's adopted family. Fender also kidnapped one of the members of that family and mm-hmm. has made her part of the crew. And the robot refused to go with the good guys, yeah. she's got some long game she's trying to play. You're you're not strong enough. <laughs> you're not strong enough. And so when the bad guys give chase, the good guys run, but the bad guys catch them, overwhelm them, and crucify Gibson. And then we see in the flashback all the stuff that's happened between Fender, the bad guy, and Gibson, the good guy. And then uh, Gibson halfway frees himself and then Natty the rest of the way frees herself and then as the last episode ended the bad guys have rolled up onto it into Atlanta or on the outskirts uh-huh. and so we're we're gonna see like which is supposed to be the last vestiges of like civilization right but it's just another ruins yeah it's odd to me maybe like, it's got like in the in the in the last of us there's like a quarantine zone in the middle of the city that's like you know like a community that's or still safe or something but actually it wouldn't be in downtown it'd be like more out towards like where i live like east atlanta and decatur and emory where the cdc is okay so i'm going to in my in my drunken state i'm going to try it. to read you the the name of the movie was free jack uh-huh. i might have said new jack but it's called free yeah. jack 1992 the, the plot is that an auto racer, Alex Furlong, that's played by Emilio Estevez, was the lead. He's snatched by time travel a split second before a fatal explosion by Vassendax, that's Mick Jagger's 21st century team of techies who plan to sell his healthy body to an ailing rich man for a mind transfer. Then he escapes. He has no rights in this nightmare future of violence and sleaze. Uh, as the story concerns his survival, his attempt to revive his relationship with his fiance. Holy shit. Who's now 15 years older. I feel, I feel like I need to watch this. But yeah, I we also definitely think need to it, watch this. I also feel like it was set in Atlanta. We need to watch this. We need to review this movie. Possibly. A double blind taste test? I can't think of um, a single other Mick Jagger film. No. He probably realized all I remember is those... Oh, Horrible music videos he put out, like in the what dancing in the streets, like him and oh, Bowie. Bowie. Yeah, but that was kind of lovely. Especially, I mean, it's great to see those two legends, uh-huh. but also Jagger's not that dude. I don't think no. like to be. Yeah, you, know, you need to just be on stage peacocking around or whatever yeah. you do. Um, 
But yeah, that's Free Jack. I want to watch it for sure. It's got a stream somewhere. Should we just we just pause this, or maybe we'll just watch this and record us watching it? We'll be right. <laughs> we'll be right back. Two hours later, we're gonna watch Free Jack. I'm gonna find it's it. Starring and watch Emilio it. Estevez. Right after I watch Best of the Best Part Two, <laughs> <laughs> starring quality, starring Wayne Newton, Sonny Lanham. Wayne Newton's the bad guy, right? He is like crony to the bad guy played okay. by Ralph Muller from this oh, movie yeah. slash right, whatever Muller. his name is from Gladiator. Hagen. What a fucking legend he was in Gladiator. Yeah. Like he what was a awesome. presence he had. He was amazing. Physical presence. Like fucking training up the gladiators from that one stable of gladiators. We who are about to die salute you. Absolutely. He died, didn't he? Yeah, he got killed. Did he get killed when he was escaping or something? He when got killed. Was, yeah, he got killed when they were trying to get Maximus out of the compound. And yeah. Maximus ended I, re- up I feel getting, like I remember a bunch of dudes stabbing him down. Yeah, that was rough. Thing. Commodus died. Not Commodus, but um, uh, the old gladiator. He died too. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember his name. Me neither. I'm pretty but. drunk. So. <laughs> sometimes the bourbon helps. Sometimes the bourbon harms. I can't wait to drive home. Um, <laughs> Put you in the car. Just drive as fast as you can yeah. so you get there faster. Yeah, I'm going to beat them. I'm going to beat the cops. <laughs> you can't get me if I'm home. <laughs> I'm not driving anymore. <laughs> oh, fuck. Anyway. We do not condone that. No, my gosh. Uh, no. And Don't thanks for it. joining us. We're going to talk about, think about Cyborg Woo. now. Yeah, we're going to close this shit the down. The ultimate episode. The yeah, episode this is the that ultimate. comes after the penultimate. That's right. Um, well, I guess we'll just go ahead and dive right in. Yeah. Um, so we open on a wide shot of Fender and his crew making their way down the highway through a walking dead looking Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Everything is collapsed or destroyed and it's dark and looks like a storm's a coming. I feel like that was a pretty decent map painting like effect shot that one. Yeah. And you can kind of see the bad guys like. Yeah, it was cool. Trolling along. Um, cut over to Gibson, who's unwinding some bandages that he had on his impaled wrists. I don't know what was in those bandages, but he's healed up How nicely. much time has passed? I feel like time has to have passed because it's only like just vague bruising and some tiny yeah. little holes. Well, not enough. I'll tell you that. Because that I feel like that would be weeks or months before you could move your hands again. He'd have to have surgery for the nerve damage. He wouldn't be able to ball his fist like no. that. No. Um, but a little Google map searching tells you basically if you are walking from Charleston to Atlanta, it takes about a hundred hours okay. of walking time. So I don't know, 10 days, seven days, something like that, a week, week and a half. Where would you be coming in on 20? I don't from know what Charleston was the fastest ev- walking route in yeah, this. You good- probably would walk along the interstate. Yeah. That's, yeah. But I don't know. That's what they're doing. We keep seeing them walking through like forests and yeah. shit. But his hand, it's like, it's a scratch now. Yeah. It's a, it's a barely a scratch. It's, it's a barely, scab. It's, yeah. It's, oh, I've it's, got a scab on my wrist here. Well, I'm a fast healer. Of course, I've always believed in Jesus. So, <laughs> so we get a pan up from a sign that's been stenciled with Atlanta. And, <laughs> yeah. and we pan up and see that Gibson and Natty are perched on a little wall or something. I feel like these are clearly the same sets that were New York earlier. Yeah, yeah, we're. Yeah, I feel like they just like, changed out the I thought sign. the same thing. I was like, oh, okay, we are, we're back in the same it's area just as before. Dark. It's dark now. <laughs> so they've somehow broken the laws of space and time again and arrived in Atlanta before Fender. Who had at least, a, I feel like, a 12 hour head start on him. And wasn't crucified. No. He was near dead when they took him off that cross, and now yeah. they've beaten him to Atlanta. So maybe because it's just the two of them, they move faster despite Natty's multiple concussions and Gibson having been <laughs> literally crucified and nearly beaten to death. We'll just have to assume that's what happened. So Gibson seems to give Natty a weapon or something, and in breaking with convention, he seems fine letting her run off by herself. So maybe like, she's yeah. proven her mettle, and he's like, yeah. And I feel like maybe on the 100-hour the hike, They've discussed what their plan is. Right. They don't discuss it now, but something's going on. So Gibson, meanwhile, now has a bow and arrow set up that he found somewhere along the way. Absolutely. And he and Natty appear to be (laughs) setting up to lie in wait for Fender and the gang. Just as Natty ducks into some bushes, the bad guys arrive precisely where Gibson knew they would. Uh I appreciate that Fender is running point. Yeah. Hasn't sent a punk goon or something else to the front of the line. As the bad guys move single file into this open area, we cut to a shot of Gibson atop his little tower. Did he build that tower? I don't know. Or was I it already there? I feel like it had to have been there. So he takes an aim with his bow and arrow. He shoots an arrow at Fender's feet to get his attention, I guess. 
Then Fender and <laughs> Haley, uh, they look up and spot Gibson. Gibson gives a look as if to say, I could have killed you, which begs the question, why didn't you fucking kill him? <laughs> yeah. Why didn't you shoot him in the head? Yes, absolutely. Fender's amused by this. He gives this like wry smile. There's a stare down. And all of Fender's pirates start getting ready to brawl. Everyone's unsheathing knives, lots of knives. Everyone's got two knives, one knife in each hand. (laughs) Gibson, instead of shooting any of the pirates, maybe that was his only arrow. I think that was his only arrow. Why? And he missed on purpose. To prove a point. He squandered the element of surprise. (laughs) He, we, we. One good shot. He could have killed Maybe not killed Fender. I don't know how supernatural or superhuman he is, but you could have fucked him up a little bit. Shoot him in the head. Absolutely. Put him through his blue eyeball. So, yeah, we get these cut shots of Pearl, Haley, and Fender, who are all probably wondering, why did he throw away the superior weapon capability in this fight? (laughs) But anyway, Gibson draws his knife and puts it in his teeth. Then we get a ridiculous stare down between Fender, who probably can't see shit in his dirty ass sunglasses. It's dark and raining, and he's wearing glasses. His, his, and his glasses are covered in a film of mud. <laughs> and Gibson's got his fucking sword in his mouth, and this looks so stupid. It what? looks so dumb. That knife is too big to be in his mouth. <laughs> anyway, finally, Fender yells, Move! And his pirates break into action. Gibson jumps down to meet them. Three guys converge on him immediately. The first guy takes a swipe, but Gibson kick blocks him, cuts the dude's throat, or slices his face. We don't know because we never see the guy again, so that, we have to assume he's dead. That was the dude, uh, Jackson Rock Pinkney. That's the dude that he blinded. I don't know if it happened in this particular scene or somewhere else in the movie, but this was the dude, yeah, that apparently Van Damme accidentally, like, blinded this dude like cost him the sight of one of his eyes <laughs> for and, life and he sued van damme and got some sort of payment out 400 of it. and something thousand is that how much 480 something like basically that is almost not the, enough almost the budget of this movie that's not enough for like well, losing an eye, an eye for I, I, meant, I meant to look up yeah that was the considering dude. inflation what that would be in today's dollars probably double it or triple it maybe it's not enough what, yeah for, an, for eye, an eye to lose eye? an eye but that was the dude. I don't know if that was the shot, but he did swipe across his face. So uh-huh. maybe he did like get well, too then, close it, on yeah, the and take. Then, and then the guy never appeared in another shot. So we have to assume yeah. that he killed him or blinded him. So it's not immediately clear. But anyway, on to the next guy. The next guy tries to kick Gibson, but Gibson blocks and stabs him in the heart. While that guy screams his death wail, a third guy drops down from a little hill. Or I can't tell <laughs> if it's like rubble and just like trees have grown out of it. But anyway, Gibson just swats him away with a high kick. Pearl is like, yeah, yeah, I like this. She's impressed by the dude who was not strong enough to get me to Atlanta. Okay. So Gibson whirls around and sees Pearl flanked by two more pirates, one of whom lines up a shot on Gibson, the same guy that tried to shoot him earlier, or maybe did oh, shoot was him it? earlier. Okay. So Pearl oh, yeah, yells, the black dude with the beard? Yeah. Pearl yells, no, and like grabs at the gun, and the other pirate grabs at her. Just then, uh, Natty jumps out from her hiding spot and cuts the gun guy's head right the fuck off, we that, think. Well, they didn't quite show it, it's but I feel he, like that's what happened. She either slits his throat or cuts his head right off. And I, I kind of got the vibe, based on the shots that they edited together, that the head came off. So I'm not sure um, whether she stabs the other guy or just pushes him down. But anyway, Haley and Fender whirl around in time to see Natty trying to whisk Pearl away. Uh Other pirates give chase, and the studded bra pirate from early in the movie. The super buff one. The the more attractive of the... Oh, no, yeah, the super buff one got her hand cut off. This one was, like, low-key hot as hell. Yeah. Um, She hasn't been in the movie since the first scene. Is that right? And now she's back. Okay. So she reappears and disrobes for action. Hell yes. Uh, Natty and Pearl (laughs) enter a building and Pearl stumbles and falls down. And I guess it knocks her out. So that was like pro wrestling referee shit. Like a gentle fall to the ground. I'm out for 10 to 15 minutes. Exactly. So a pirate bursts in and Natty whacks him twice with a stool. She beats kill- the shit out yeah, of him. Yeah, she kills him. So <laughs> then Bra Pirate runs in. Natty disarms her with the stool, but Bra Pirate knocks her back with a backhand. Um, we got it. There's out- a cat fight going yeah, on exactly. in whatever this was. <laughs> cat fight. So outside, the rain's coming down in earnest. Gibson and a final featured pirate circle each other, and this should have been Anthony Kiedis. 
You think? They should have saved this I feel fight. like this dude was meant to be like the right-hand man. This was like the big Greek dude. So, well, I was thinking that if if that's who this guy is, then it should have been the guy who was holding the rope on the farm. But And they should have made that clear. Yeah. And it might have been meant to be the same dude, but you're right. Ketis had a much more of a distinct look about him. Yeah. He was recognizable. Anyway, he like... It was like it wasn't in, it was Anthony like, Kiedis. We should say we keep saying Kiedis. Yeah, it's, it's it was not goon. actually him. It was this, it was his spiritual punk, punk pirate twin, um, a road warrior pirate guy. So anyway, yeah, the same energy, the same sort of physique and look as Anthony Kiedis. Gibson glances over at Fender in the distance with Haley. Then he sizes up this pirate. The guy pulls a knife, does this little like X across the arms pose and says, I kill slingers. <laughs> it's a little late to be announcing was, new information, sir. It was world class <laughs> bad ADR work. Like put that in the whole world, in the ADR in Hall the of Fame. Yeah. I get that it's a lot cheaper to shoot this shit without sound, but that was so shitty, man. I think cheap was like the name of the game making oh, yeah. this movie where they were like, they didn't have a sound. They didn't have a crew. There Ken no was in the midst of a bankruptcy. I feel like, and they're just like, yeah, we don't have a sound crew. So you just film it in everything. All sound that you hear is going to be ADR yeah. and fully work. So back in the building, bra pirates kicking Natty's ass. Then the movie cuts back and forth a lot between two fights, the fight with Gibson yeah, yeah, and the yeah, fight yeah. with Natty. So, um, inside with the ladies, bra pirates throwing Natty around the room, which looks like a restaurant or a bar. She kicks Natty over the bar, then back onto the bar. Then she pulls her back off the bar. Then she punches her back over the bar onto a little table that collapses. <laughs> that shit made me laugh. I was like, <laughs> what, that tiny table? <laughs> when it just collapsed. It, is, it was like, eh. <laughs> it reminded me, do you remember when, like, when Yoda was fighting Palpatine and sort of flipped him over that desk, yeah. and it was just an awkward fall. And I'm like, uh, well, that makes me laugh. That's more realistic. That table was like barely screwed together. <laughs> so it just was to immediately give way and it just kind of like lent to one side. <laughs> yes. Anyway, bra pirate climbs and jumps off the bar, pulls a knife and goes to stab Nat Natty, but Natty has her own knife and stabs bra pirate in the belly. I don't know why they weren't using the knives earlier, but they've, both produced their knives now, and yes. And yeah, the, the, the tail is wrought for Bra Pirate. Outside, Gibson catches the pirate's knife swinging arm, kicks him five uninterrupted times in the stomach, then three or four more times before switching to the guy's face. It was the trademark JCVD over and over shit. and over. So after kicking the guy in the face several times, he does a JCVD roundhouse that sends the dude staggering backward into something that was over there burning despite the fact that it's raining torrentially torrential the guy the guy catches on fire and starts screaming he staggers back toward gibson who does yet another roundhouse kick which causes the guy to stumble onto the front end of a burned out old car and somehow some way the guy explodes <laughs> he blew up which sends van damme's stunt <laughs> double spinning and flailing backward the dude the dude just blew up. Were these booby traps that he'd set, like the fire and and like rigged some explosives on the front of the you end of the gotta, car? You got to show that. We're Why not, did the car explode? I don't know. We're not making Why that Why did the dude explode? There's no chance in hell. No. Yeah. Dude just blew up. <laughs> he just, the guy blew up. Yes. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, so anyway, Fender and Haley look on silhouetted against the flames. We get a shot of some boots. See that Fender is taking off his greaves and chain mail, dropping them on the ground. Bro, why are you taking off your armor yeah. before keep, a battle? Keep your armor on, dipshit. So Gibson, still rattled by the exploding pirate, picks this himself This is where, off. though, Fender's fucking shredded up, dude. Yeah, he... If I looked like that, I wouldn't be wearing all that yeah, other maybe shit. maybe that's why he was like, I don't need armor. I didn't get shredded up tonight. You can't, you can't pierce my muscle, man. Oh, yeah. Let's just carbon fiber and Teflon. Fiber, fiber, uppercut. <laughs> <laughs> so Gibson, still rattled by the exploding pirate, picks himself up out of the water, turns to see Fender walking towards him, and Fender's taking off his magical uniform, finally. Uh -huh. Haley seems conflicted as she watches. We get a shot of Gibson standing erect and flexing. 
with Fender's boot in the foreground and a knife strapped to the calf. It was like, like a sort of Western type shot when they showed the, the, the gun, gun on the hip. Yeah. So the two yoked men stared at each other, both of them flexing. Like, uh, Fender's doing that thing where his pelvis is way out and his arms are way back. Like he's like it was a weird pushing. pose. It's like, um, it Leading is. It is. I counted forty-two full seconds of Dude. silent, flexed, <laughs> muscly stare down. I was like more like forty-eight, but in a movie that's only eighty-two minutes of between, screen time, between forty and fifty seconds is too long. That was. I did the math. That was a full one percent of the movie <laughs> was them just staring at each other silently oh, in the rain. God. Finally, Fender takes his glasses off and shows that insane blue eye. Blue lightning strikes. Lightning crashes. And so does a screaming Gibson. Ah! He he goes in for a kick. Fender catches it and starts punching the crap out of him. Gibson's knocked off balance, but rights himself and goes for another kick. Fender's entire fight style is just like one long sustained scream. And it's like... I feel like he's legit screaming for the next 10 minutes yeah. straight of the movie. Can't tell from the sound effect whether Gibson's second kick is supposed to have landed or whether it was blocked, but it makes no difference because Fender just like keeps punching him. Haley looks like she wants to run in and do something, but she's not sure what. Mm-hmm. Gibson manages to finally get in a backhand. Fender hits him again. Haley takes a step forward like she wants to intervene, but she still doesn't. Then Fender lands several more punches the last of which knocks Gibson up onto the hood of a car and through whatever is left of the car windshield, which was covered with like vines or hay or grass or something. A dazed Gibson starts to try to crawl out of the car, but Fender meets him by the driver's side door (laughs) and slams the door on his head several times. Like wouldn't once be enough to make you like move. I feel like he hits him three times. Several times would kill a man. Yeah. Why take several blows to the head? Did you read the shit that I read where, like, during this fight scene, Fender lost one of his color oh, yeah, contacts? Kind of, yeah. And they, like, that was the only set they had. And they were, yeah, like, he had to run back to his trailer and blinked and, and had it. And they found, oh my gosh, it's actually still on my eyeball or whatever. It just had rolled Christ. up. But that's how they low budget. stop. That's how low budget the shit was. Shut it down for hours because we only had one set of blue contacts. That's so stupid. That's so stupid. <laughs> that's amazing to me. <laughs> so anyway Haley runs over finally and's like please stop yelling at Fender Fender looks over at her eyes the necklace she's wearing and could it be for the first time that he's putting the pieces together it was only on my like fourth viewing of the movie that I think I I realized that in this moment Fender's remembering there's a connection between he's like oh yeah oh yeah I did get her when I killed that Dude. I remember the, oh this is, well, he's like this is the guy that I almost killed on the farm. I thought he was dead. Yeah. So yeah. Um. Anyway, he, he seems to now know like oh yeah I came by Haley this way and it was by way of yeah, this yeah, guy. Yeah, he got her on that so farm. He gives this big evil smile as if he finally gets it. Haley begs him to stop. Then Fender strides around the car, grabs Haley by the back of the head, and stands over her menacingly. Gibson tries to collect himself in the car. He like looks up just as like Natty comes stumbling out of the bar, and I guess Pearl, yeah, Pearl's knocked out because she's nowhere to be found. Yes. Her fragile metal skull wasn't meant for Little Falls. <laughs> the hard drive is corrupted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Gibson seems to be back at himself just in time to see Fender try to forcibly kiss Haley, who turns away. That shit was gross, dude. Yeah. That's even more disturbing than if he'd like hit her. Yeah. I guess Fender sees Natty approaching because then he draws a knife and screams some. It was impossible to tell what was happening because it went from like one shot of Fender holding uh, Haley Haley, to the next shot. He's just got a knife raised and he's screaming and I don't know who he's planning to stab with it. I think actually it turned out that it was Haley maybe that he was about to stab. Well, he first sees I meant I I thought it to meant that he sees Natty. And what? then from behind, Gibson gives an epic band down <laughs> and kicks, kicks through the glass of the passenger side rear door, hitting Fender in the back. Then Fender turns to face Gibson, still screaming, now with two knives. He's got two knives. Of course. Natty yells no and attacks, but Fender slices her in the belly. Oh, she yep. falls back. Gibson yells for the first time in the movie, her name, Natty! Natty! The one the and only, only time. time in the whole movie that her name is said out loud. 
the epic scream also just devolves into him going. <laughs> so he was like this, and the plaster was falling down. So then we see a shot of Haley finally getting it that she's been on the wrong side for a while, or maybe she's always known it, but just it took this to snap her out of it. So while Natty's on the ground bleeding out, Fender with an absolutely maniacal smile on his face <laughs> and knives in each hand turns and approaches Haley. He's just flexing and screaming. But interesting, it seems to me that Haley's got a like bring it on motherfucker look on her face as he's coming toward her. Right as he's about to get to her, Gibson kicks open a car door right into Fender, which pushes him back and causes him to drop his knives. Gibson crawls out of the car and Fender, still just screaming and flexing, walks toward him. Gibson, and suddenly he doesn't have his yeah he doesn't have his knives anymore. Yeah, he dropped them for gone. reasons that don't make well, sense. Well, the door the door surprised him and is wet and I don't, my grip. Sure. So Gibson <laughs> hops off the car, kicks the door as like a provoke, and then unintelligibly yells the word motherfucker. But you would never you would never know that's what it because it just sounds like. Like that's all it sounds like, and yes. which Fender responds to by more articulately yelling, "Motherfucker!" Yes. So Gibson's now standing between Fender and Haley as Fender backs them up. Gibson goads Fender with a "Come on!" and doesn't block at all when Fender starts punching him. No, Fender just starts, and he's just standing there with his arms to his side, and Fender starts punching him in the head, <laughs> and Fender's face is like frozen from now on in this, this like open mouth it's sort of a, scream face it is one of the most macabre grotesque looking facial expressions i've ever seen it's like yeah. how can a face look like that in real life how can you hold that face it looks like it should be a mask like a rubber mask or something anyway he's probably coked out of his mind Absolutely. so um so the action goes on like this for a couple of beats. Fender hits Gibson a couple of times. Gibson hits Fender once in response. Then for the first time, Gibson manages to string together consecutive shots. However, Fender comes charging back and keeps punching Gibson so hard that it like spins him around. Gibson lands a few more punches, but then Fender gets a combo that pushes Gibson back against some stacked up sandbags. Then Fender does this crazy scream again, reaches back. And if you thought he was going to pull another knife, you're exactly right. <laughs> He's, he's like, oh, wait, I do have another big knife. He still hasn't pulled the one on his boot yet, the one <laughs> we saw. So anyway, he slices Gibson's right cheek, and it occurred to me that Gibson ought to have a big scar on his left cheek from the fight right before his crucifixion, mm. but I couldn't I couldn't remember if I'd, like, seen it. He heals quickly. Yeah, he believes in Jesus. So right after this, though, Gibson grabs Fender's arm, does, like, three flying knee drives to the elbow, and based on subtitles, it like breaks the arm. Yeah, bone snaps. Yeah. <laughs> so Gibson rests the knife away and goes to strike, but Fender shields himself with his arm, and the knife goes like right in his forearm. That was gross. And then, undeterred by stabbings and broken bones, he punches the shit out of Gibson with his good arm. And as Gibson turns again to face Fender, Fender goes to punch him again with his good arm, but Gibson stabs him like right in his sternum. What was weird is Gibson all of a sudden had the knife in his hand again. I don't think he and ever it went, lost it. Was it not in dude's forearm? I think I think that when he like punched him, that it like he pulled it out, but he still had a grip on it. Maybe That's the okay. only thing that I can think it of. It has to be. Yeah. So blue lightning flashes and Fender falls backward into the flooded street. He groans and tries to sit up, but then collapses back and seems to die. Whew. Boy, I'm sure glad he's dead. Yeah, that's the end of and, the movie. And definitely not about to come back. Roll credits. <laughs> so Gibson, who does have a trace of a scar on his left cheek, but who one couldn't help notice that the brand new slash wound is not bleeding at all. Okay. No okay. blood on his face. Turns he's to, a cyborg. He turns, is he? He turns to look at Haley. He walks over. There's a long pause, and he tries his best to say her name, which comes out, Helly. <laughs> he says, Helly. Helly. She comes in for a hug. Everyone's emotional. It's super awkward. It's so awkward. I loved banging your sister, is what he's thinking about. <laughs> you're next. Maybe, yeah, maybe you're next. Play your cards right. So then <laughs> fucking Fender jumps up. Oh! <laughs> This is where the long scream, the five-minute scream. And just, he grabs Gibson with both hands um, and looks even more insane, but let's not 
Let's not forget that one of his arms is broken. Uh, yeah, his arm's broken. He's got a, a punctured lung or pu pierced heart. <laughs> that old pierced heart. <laughs> uh, he spins Gibson around and throws him through a boarded up storefront and into the building. Yeah. They come crashing to the floor and Gibson gets his hands on Fender's throat and they start rolling around. After a few excellent Van Damme, ah, ah, Gibson gets this crazy angry look on his face a la when Frank Ducks is about to do a <laughs> dim mock. Ducks. <laughs> is hey, about to ducks? Do, like about to hey. do a dim mock. No, no, it's Dukes. It's Dukes. Like, oh, like put up oh, your Dukes. Like, put up your Dukes, huh? So he gets that look. Like wide-eyed, flat hand, and it does look like he either headbutts him or does that flat palm strike against Fender's no, head. Does. Anyway, it knocks him backward against a wall where we see a bunch of chains and giant hooks. This is where we hang up our chains. Yes. This is the chains <laughs> and hooks section. If, if you know me, you know if I see a hook like that, someone's someone's got to get impaled by that motherfucker yeah. before I'm happy. Well, what were they selling? Hooks and chains. This is the hooks and chains depot. <laughs> so Fender comes at Gibson, tries to punch him with his broken arm. Yeah, that shit was supposed to be broken, but he's fueled by like crazy and whatever drug cocktail yeah. that he or the actor was on. So Gibson twists the broken arm around and down and then kicks Fender back against the chain wall. Fender comes again, this time with his good arm, but Gibson gets a combo in, then puts Fender in a headlock and rams his head through a wall. Yeah. Gibson pulls him out, elbows him a couple of times while Van Damme screams, ah, ah! and there is the sustained Fender scream, ah! and then ah! knocks him knocks him back a third time into the wall. Then with a final flourish, he does this big ass like kick. It's not really a flying spin kick, but it's like this kick that sends Flinder <laughs> airborne. Fender Flinder <laughs> sends Flinder. Fuck it all. Airborne and backward, and you guess that he gets impaled on a giant hook. Hell yeah. So Lots of dudes getting stuck on hooks in these movies, yeah, I missed. Um, so Fender screams until the audio engineer turns the volume down. It's literally like, <laughs> and then his eyes go vacant and his head drops. Although it didn't really like droop the way that a dead person's head would droop. It didn't no. droop all the way down. It was like halfway down. So a spent Gibson looks at the dead fender for a while, then lets out a big sigh and exits the building. In the bar where Natty and Bra Pirate duked it out, Pearl finally comes to, <laughs> naturally. Just in the nick of time. <laughs> I guess they It would have been great, dude, if it was like, oh, that blow to the head corrupted all the day. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they didn't do anything to make her like a stronger, helpful cyborg. Nah, fuck that. So she walks outside and finds Gibson and Haley standing over Natty's body, which... I didn't remember that she died. That's sad. I will admit, I did not expect the death of Natty. Yeah. They put her, put her up on the hood of the car. That's why I feel like he walked over and they were just like, they're all exchanging glances. And he's kind of like, you know, four-way? <laughs> you, <laughs> you, me, the cyborg and a corpse? <laughs> Necrophilia. Her body's still warm. Um, so, yeah, they all exchange glances. Gibson puts a hand on Natty's brow. None it was more too like gently. he just like palmed her head he looks very sad though um yeah. then he looks up at pearl searchingly as if to say like is there anything you can do but it doesn't look like there's anything pearl can do but it also is fitting because like he was like yeah i wasn't strong enough to get you here right now my but friend's also, dead natty but also like natty's one and only goal in the thing was to make sure nothing happened to pearl and she did yeah so it's like success she fulfilled and so like in that regard i feel like it's like that's sort of the look that he was trying to give her not that anyone would construe that but us. But anyway, we flash forward and we see the head scientist guy from earlier in the movie who was telling Pearl how gnarly being a cyborg was going to be. He uh -huh. welcomes her home. They smile and hug it out. And he asks, were you able to retrieve the data? And she says, yes, I pulled it off. Thanks to this shirtless, scarred up Gibson, <laughs> who's just, who I guess was just standing yes. behind them. Why he's still shirtless. It's completely nonsensical that he doesn't have a shirt on. He didn't have one from the days that he must've been hanging out in Atlanta, waiting on Fender. They wouldn't give him a shirt to wear. I yeah, honestly, like someone said, here, bud, put a shirt on. If I look like Van Damme, I'd never wear a shirt. Yeah, same. <laughs> Summer, winter, fall. Walking to work. <laughs> Hello. And they're like, and they're like we get it. We get it. It's in. The, it's actually in the code of business conduct that that's allowed for you. Um, so 
Pearl's like, you should stay with us. But he touches Haley's arm as if to say, you know, like, we got to roll and walks out saying, if we don't see it because it's dubbed, they need us out there. Let's go. So <laughs> thank God Haley's got someone new to control her now. Yeah, exactly. Right. She's it's got so no mind weird. of her own. He's taking her like right into a fire from the looks of it is how much smoke was in that. Yeah, hallway. I was like, yeah, so Pearl takes a few steps toward uh, forward to watch Gibson and Haley descend into some like heavy fucking fog and says, it's strange, but I feel he's the real cure for this world, Whoa. which, which is like, well, then what's this movie been about? Dude, that ranks high on the list of worst bits of writing that we've ever seen on this podcast. I feel like he's just, the real I cure like for the world. He's the real cure for this. You're world. a you're a robot. You are like you should be beyond. I don't know. Robocop wasn't. Robocop was a cyborg. He still has human emotions. <laughs> but that's stupid. That's stupid. <laughs> that's weird. It was just garbage writing. So anyway, garbage. at the bottom of the stairs, Gibson and Haley pause a moment in some beautiful side lighting yeah. and look back at Pearl. Then they roll out into the darkness. The scientist leads Pearl up some stairs and a fortified looking folding door closes behind them. The door them. was pretty dope. What we don't see, and this is my theory, is that the data stored inside her, they needed it to be in a cybernetic organism because they still needed living tissue because they killed Pearl. They dismantled her and used her to make the cure. They killed oh, her. Oh, shit. I'm they into needed, it. They needed the living tissue. They needed a living oh, body. Oh, it was back. like the cure was inside of her living literally tissue. Literally inside of it. That like once she downloaded okay. whatever information, that it was like combined in the cybernetic. Her cybernetic, body like made the cure. Yeah. within her body. So it would have been amazing if after that door had closed, we'd heard a chainsaw or a drill. That's my theory. I is like that, it. Is that is like and it would have been. Like sinister as fuck if they if they closed the door and it was like after all that they're like well now we've got to kill Pearl that's the only so way like, to get the cure. So like did her body like her her the site the computer the CPU like like created it it was like a laboratory yeah, I think, I think, in I think, her I body that, I think that it like um, a laboratory what do you what do you call it it um synthesized the cure inside of her in I'm her into, genetic material I'm into it bro so I'm saying we should rewrite this movie, but then that's the thing is, well, I'm not. Never mind. I was about to spoil something for you, and I'm not going to do it. Oh, but anyway, what, what, hold I'm on. Not, I'm not going to spoil it for you. Uh, something about a different something, okay. unrelated to this movie. All right. So anyway, <laughs> it would have been awesome, but that's not what happened. It faded to black. Credits roll. We don't know what happened. There was maybe going to be a sequel, but there, there anyway, was plans for that's, a sequel. That's cyborg, and we know this because we get a closing title card with a reminder that this has been a Golan Globus production, as if we needed that reminder. Yoram, you magnificent bastards. You've done it again. <laughs> Another fucking solid gold hit. Fucking flawless flick. I almost squirted bourbon out my nose. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so... But yeah, people love to call this movie like a the whatever the sequel to Master of the Universe, like that it turned into Cyborg, which isn't exactly true. Right. The movie used the sets and the costumes and, from Master yeah. of the Universe 2 and the Spider-Man movie that apparently Canon had the rights God, to. I wish that they had made the Spider-Man movie. Do they do they have a Spider-Man cast? Do you know who that Probably Van was Dam. there an actor? Van Damme is Peter Parker. <laughs> My name is Peter Parker. It should have been, uh, I don't know. Who I'm here to save Mary Jane. It would have been Rob Lowe or some weird shit. <laughs> Ralph Macchio as Spider-Man. Does he have the sort sass, of weird, the dumpy? Yeah. Um, but yeah, but basically this movie used the sets and the costumes from those mm -hmm. movies. It was, supposed uh, to, yeah, it was supposed to be the Masters of the Universe sequel. That um, Right. And then, yeah, that Spider-Man Canon, movie. basically, it sounds like they like let the rights lapse. Right. They had a deal like, with, with Hasbro or mm -hmm. whoever it was and Marvel to make these movies, but then they, they were so fucking broke, they couldn't like keep up their end of the deal, that so they sucks. lost the rights, but they had the sets built. Mm -hmm. So they were like, well, what can we do with this? Yeah, they'd already sunk two million into, into costumes and, and sets. Stuff. Yeah, absolutely. That's and, what I read. Um, yeah. Desperate to get something out, they got Pyun, who was apparently going to be involved in both those movies. Really? Yeah. To scramble 
and he cobbled together the germ of the story for this movie, Cyborg, okay. in one weekend. I believe it. He had Chuck Norris in mind for the part of Gibson. Okay. But Menachem said no. That would gotta, have been fucking worse. We got to use my have? boy. We got to use my guy. We got to use the young up and I can see why he would want to use someone who's a little older, but then that would have been super creepy, like in the Mary scenes and stuff. Yeah, he's like old enough to be her dad. But that would have also, Chuck Norris had to command more money. Yeah. Van Damme was probably basically willing to work for like I don't know. scraps. I don't know. Like Chuck Norris was at the end, like he was past the height of his popularity by this point. Did we ever talk about, did you like the movie Sidekicks? Did you watch that one with Jonathan Brandis? What do you mean? Chuck Norris? Like. What do you mean like? Did you enjoy it when it was new and you were like a, a teenager? Well, yeah, because I was like, man, Jonathan Brandis is cool. Chuck Norris is cool. Yeah, I dug it. Yeah. That was like a perfect thing for Norris but to that was do also, at that but point. But that was also because I was like, I wanted to I wanted to take karate lessons. Yeah. No, but I think it's dope. Or that ninja. was like a, a great thing for him to segue into. Yeah, I agree. Later in his career, Norris. So, Plus, he still, that was like some of the more charismatic Norris I've ever seen. I've watched a couple of Chuck Norris movies, and he's garbage. Yeah, he's terrible. He's got no charisma. He's, it's, it's when he's playing himself, it's like he's at a Comic Con or something. At least he knows what to do. Yeah. I know when when he's Chuck Norris, <laughs> when he's a character, he's I know like, I to act like myself. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Let's talk about this movie a little bit. I'm sorry, back to Cyborg. So, the budget. According to Wikipedia, was less than five hundred thousand dollars. Right, because I think there was a lot of sunk money already, and the mm-hmm. sets were built already, so they didn't count. Yeah, that. they'd already spent two hundred or two million dollars on sets and costumes that they repurposed for other yeah, movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The movie was shot in twenty-three days. We reckon. Wow, that's quick. Twenty-three days in Wilming, Wilmington, and maybe Arizona, North Carolina, and maybe Arizona. Uh, that five hundred thousand included Van Damme's salary. That's incredible. Yeah. So even though the movie's hot trash, the movie still had to have made money, right? It made between 9.5 and 10.2, but 10.1 or 2 is the the generally accepted figure for what it grossed internationally. That's a killer profit. Yeah. It's That's amazing. a 20 times. It sucks that it wasn't enough to keep Canon afloat, probably because their debts were so deep. Well, 10 million is not a lot. Yeah. Uh, they probably owed Stallone like, fifty in the yeah fifty million dollars. So yeah, as we as we talked about, they were they were broke, um, doing like getting ready for Masters of the Universe sequel. Canon planned doing um, Spider Man as well. Um, yeah, Pyun was apparently on deck to do both those direct both those movies. Where did they what I read. find this fucker? I don't know, man. Um, we know that because of the financial trouble, they had to back out of the both movies that Pion scrambled to get Cyborg together. Apparently Van Damme, as we said, injured one of the guys, blinded him an eye. Like that costs almost as much as the movie costs to make. But that came out of Van Damme's personal pocket, yeah. right? Which is also weird. Yeah. I'm like, I mean, this is like an, if it's There's an no honest mistake, that's how I feel about um the Alec Baldwin situation. Honestly, is like, if he's in trouble because he was the producer of the movie, that's one thing. Right. But if he's in trouble because he's the guy who pulled the trigger after like the weapons master yeah, handed him a gun and told him it's not, it's a prop gun. Yeah, it's fine. I don't blame the actor for that. No, not at all. Like mistakes happen, I guess, but it's, it's a gruesome mistake, but absolutely it's, it's not negligence on the part of the actor. If the, the weapons master has told you, yeah, this gun's good to go. Yeah. Now if he's all, on the hook because he was the producer. So everything is his responsibility. Then that makes some more sense to me than because he's the guy who had, but you also wouldn't be like charged for manslaughter in that situation. It'd be like negligent homicide or something, something odd, but, but apparently there was a director's cut. Yeah. I read a lot about this. Um, so the film was originally so violent that it was rated X so they paired it like apparently with you know Van Damme's editing help paired it back and to an Sheldon R. Sheldon Ledich. Sheldon Ledich. Who was like, did he write Bloodsport? I can't also? even remember. That sounds like he, right. He definitely wrote and maybe directed uh, Lionheart. Okay. Which we need to get to. And I think he was Ooh, his yeah, co-writer on um, on The Quest as well. But yeah, yeah he's no. like his buddy or whatever. His yeah. Hollywood friend. So um, 
Yeah, we have to thank Van Dam for his editing expertise. Otherwise, this masterpiece would be. We never just together. never would have seen it. Yeah, he spent two months helping parse this thing together. Rotten Tomatoes has it as 22%. I'd give it a solid 30. Yeah. I, I ranked <laughs> it a three out of 10. Yeah, 30%. There you go. Yeah. So also, yeah, as you said, there's a director's cut out there that we need to watch at some point that was released in 2014 in Germany under the film's original title, Slinger. You probably saw that Pyun's cut was in black and white, or maybe you didn't. Black and yeah, white, yeah, very yeah, stylized, yeah. had much more Van Damme dialogue, including a narration, but it was all dubbed. I wonder what he sounded like. That's weird to me. Um, I read that the director's cut was received so poorly <laughs> that Pyun was fired from the movie. Yes. That's what I read. Was they screened it for some people? It's like, like one out of a hundred people were like, yeah, it's good. It's good. So usually you hear these things about like, oh, the director's cut was like the work of genius and the studio ruined it. And this sounds like the director's cut was somehow even worse than what we just watched. But I'm, I'm very intrigued because I don't know, maybe people's tastes weren't as refined. I don't know. Anyway, the original theatrical version does not explain what slingers are. In the director's cut, the opening crawl defines slingers as hired warriors who safely escort people out of cities and protect them from pirates. Well, that would have been even more of a knockoff of Blade Runner. Yeah. Do you want to know what Roger Ebert said about this movie? I definitely want to know about it. <laughs> I know Roger Ebert put it on his like all-time most hated movies yeah. list. He said, I think we've read part of it before. I've read part of it to you before, but he said... I'm not sure I remember the opening words of Cyborg exactly, but I believe they were, after the plague, things got really bad. <laughs> he said, I do remember laughing heartily at that point about 30 seconds into the movie. Few genres amuse me more than post-apocalyptic fantasies about Superman fighting for survival. Cyborg is one of the funniest examples of this category, which crosses Escape from New York with the Road Warrior, but cheats on the budget. The movie takes place oh, in Escape a, from New York. That's a nice shout yeah, out, too. Very good. It is like we're trying to whisk someone out of this rough situation. Yeah. But anyway. The movie takes place in a future world in which all civilization's been reduced to a few phony movie sets. Leather-clad neo-Nazis stalk through the ruins, beating <laughs> each other senseless and talking in pulp speak, which is like English, but without the grace and modulation. It's cold in the future, and it's wet, but never so cold or wet that the costumes do not bear the arm muscles of men and heaving bosoms of the women. The plot of Cyborg is simplicity itself. The movie's heroine, Dale Haddon, is half-woman, half-robot, and wears a computer under her wig. Her knowledge may... <laughs> Her knowledge may include the solution to the plague that threatens to destroy mankind, but first she must somehow return to headquarters in Atlanta. Her enemy, Fender Tremolo, Vincent Klin, wants to destroy her because he believes that if anarchy is unleashed on the world, he can rule it. The hero, Gibson Rickenbacker, is on a mission to escort her safely. Once we know the central players, the movie turns into a sadomasochistic passion play in which the village tries out varieties of unspeakable tortures on the hero, including crucifixion, before the formula is, of course, delivered safely after all. The movie reduces itself to a series of smoking, smoldering cityscapes, which look a lot like urban neighborhoods slated for renewal, and the oh. And the pulp speak is the usual combination of vaguely biblical formalism spiced with four-letter words and high-tech gibberish. Movies like this work if they're able to maintain a high level of energy and invention, as Mad Max does. They do not work when they lower their guard and let us see the reality. And this, I, I love this line, which is that several strangely garbed actors feel vaguely embarrassed while wearing bizarre costumes and <laughs> reciting unspeakable lines. Oh, my God. I'd, I'd say that's a, a rave. That's a rave review. <laughs> that's a spot on. That's an undressing of this movie. He dressed it down. Yeah, dude. Uh, the movie had rotten reviews for the movie. But, you know, uh, I mean, honestly, even in hindsight, it's terrible. Right? I feel, I feel it like made it money, could right? be. I feel like it could be really good. There's a seed of an idea there. It's not an original seed. No, this movie, this story has been told before and better by yes. other people. But you know, yeah, you got to transport the 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 solution to your crisis from here to there across post. I mean, that's we're watching The Last of Us, right? It's the same plot. Yes, it very. It's the exact same plot. 
Oh, she's got no maybe difference. the secret to she's got the cure to ending this. Well, yeah, it's the exact same thing. It really is. Yeah. So anyway, shout out to <laughs> Last of Us ripping off. You guys Cyborg. fucking ripped off Cyborg, you assholes. <laughs> but I feel like Cyborg ripped off ten other things too. Oh, yeah. Blade Runner, I mean everything. Blade Runner and Mad Max for sure. Mm-hmm. Heavy ripoffs. Golden Child. I mean, there are all kinds of movies from this era where yeah. there's like a, there's a be a supernatural being that's the key to something or other. Like the fucking Conan the Destroyer, the girl. She's like the yeah. princess is the key to the thing. Well, we'll get to that soon enough. Um, or the childlike empress, like all the all this stuff. It's like there's yeah. a, it's a quest story. Well, it's one of those. What what, what is it? Uh, Lucas says like there's only five stories. Yeah, you can tell. Yeah, or something, and this is one of them. Yeah, the princess and the master, and then the quest, and then um, what is this? The quest, uh, or uh, I don't this, know them this all. Maybe but, like cross genre, but yeah, this is like the we this is a tr- quest movie. There's a there's a yeah, the we got to save the world, and we got to transport the savior. We got to get the the doodad to the thing. We got to get the MacGuffin to the. Ma- that's exactly yeah. what it is to the headquarters. Yeah. But you're right. This this movie could have maybe been good if it had. But budget, even if it had been great, it was, still would have been a Blade Runner knockoff. Yeah, Blade Runner sliced like spliced with whatever Thunderdome or something. Mm-hmm. But it still could have been better. Yeah, and it was short, so it was great for that's, us. That's <laughs> that's we got to give great them, for us. At least they knew we got to make this fucker short because it ain't good. No one wants to watch a long, bad movie. I wonder how long the director's cut was. We got to find that and watch that. The black and white cut? Yeah. I want to say, because it sounds like that was, maybe if it was it had like a samurai vibe, maybe it's kind of cool. It's, it should live somewhere, right? And if YouTube? it's in black and white, then the violence wouldn't translate as bad. You know, it wouldn't translate as gory. That might have been the whole idea. Was this going to be black and white? We're not going to see all the blood splatter. All those, like, the corpses on the crucifixes and the heads on the sticks. Yeah, you wouldn't even know. You wouldn't right. know they don't that's, look real. That's the assignment. I'm going to get online and see if we can find that thing, and then we'll watch it, and then we'll, we should do, a, like, a, just a, like, an, uh, a just one episode of, of like, yeah. yeah. That'd be fun, like a retrospective episode on if it. If we can find it, I'm in for it. That'd be cool. All right, I'm going to look for it. Do it, dude. In the meantime, that's... Cyborg, I guess. <laughs> Cyborg, t- put on your uh, Amazon Prime. It's free. Check it out yourself while it's still there. John Claude, gonna... thanks for listening. We love you. You, we feel like you were uh, you were reined in on this movie. Probably Crazy not your to me, fault. That Dame Judy Dench tuned in through the whole saga. Yeah, and getting, Daniel we, Day Lewis. We've been getting emails from both of them on the regular. Daniel Day Lewis doesn't usually use email, but he's been emailing us from Patrick Stewart's email address. <laughs> Crazy that he uses Hotmail. I know Patrick Stewart. <laughs> actually, it's just it's a. Um, it was Captain Picard at Hotmail. Balls at Hotmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> oh my god Picard balls <laughs> we won't top it so, <laughs> so we better we better sign off now while we're yeah. ahead. we love well, you guys we hope you've enjoyed it check us out next time for whatever is coming yeah we'll be back yeah.